Hello to all my social distancing friends. This is What's True for Everybody, and this is a podcast, if you're just joining us, where we like to talk about things that are true for everybody, no matter who we are, and we do it from a Jesus-centered, biblical-centered perspective. And this is experience number 56. It is hope number seven. When uh, this whole coronavirus thing started to pick up, I started this hope series. This is number seven, and it's called The Lot. And I'm doing this experience because this whole situation we find ourselves in, it's reminded me of something in the Bible. So I did a little little more studying again on it, and it's turned into uh, this episode. So uh, we'll start with this. Last summer, our uh, our neighborhood threw a pool party. And so it was either Memorial Day weekend or 4th of July weekend. I, I don't remember which, but there was food we grilled out. Uh, there was a raffle, all sorts of families, kids were at the pool. It was maybe the most crowded that we saw the pool last summer. So the raffle, one of the prizes at the raffle was a potted plant. And it wasn't like this plant with, I wouldn't call it like leaves and flowers. I would call it vines that were like five feet long. This this ginormous plant with vines just coming out of it like an octopus looking thing. And so what you did when you got to the pool party was each family could submit their name and they put it in, I don't know if it was a hat or a bag, whatever it was, in this raffle. And so there's a few prizes left and they bring out the plant. And... <laughs> They pulled the name out and they said, Boyle. <laughs> and I jumped up out of my chair and I was at the other end of the pool and I was like, yes. And I walk confidently up to the other end of the pool with everyone watching me. And I take this plant from the woman who drew my family name. And I, in front of, I don't know, a couple hundred people lifted this plant high above my head and, and turned towards everyone so they could see it like I had just won the World Series. <laughs> and this was heavy. Uh, what's the Stanley Cup? 35 pounds or so? I don't know if this was 35 pounds, but it, was, it wasn't a light plant. And I'm looking for my family to come up to take a team picture with me so it gets like (laughs) in the newspaper or something. Uh, I was thrilled. Now, did I do anything (laughs) to like actually deserve this plant? (laughs) No. Did I do anything to not deserve this plant? No. Why did I win this plant? Why did my family win this plant? Simply because (laughs) they picked our name out of a bunch of names, we had just as much of a chance to get this plant as anybody else. Anybody else had just as much of a chance to get this plant as we did. Question, have you ever won anything because you were lucky? <laughs> or unlucky as the case may be. No no other reason than that. No one did anything. No one didn't do anything to win this. It was, uh, it was a roll of the dice. It was the drawing of straws. It was the last roll on Yahtzee, and you needed the straight, the one, two, three, four, five, six to win, and you got it. It was the 50-50 raffle at the ball game. It was the scratch-off ticket for the lottery. It was the ping-pong balls in the NBA draft. It was 
winning the restaurant gift card because you're at that that fundraiser for the nonprofit organization. When have you won something simply because you were lucky? Now, there's this thing in the Bible, this idea in the Bible called uh, casting lots. This is the lot. And the lot on the surface seems to be pure luck. Here's what the lot was. It was a way to determine what course of action someone would take. It was a way to determine uh, what direction someone would, would follow. Uh, it was the lot was it was objects that were being cast or thrown or shaken or whatever uh, to determine an answer that was beyond human comprehension. That's important. That was beyond human comprehension or to make a decision requiring divine guidance. And uh, the word actually lot in Hebrew, it's, it, it means destiny or fate. And it was presumably at the beginning of this tradition, the lot was to, to cast lots. It was small stones or pieces of wood or later on maybe small dice that were thrown, shaken. They were cast down to essentially give an answer to a question, to make a decision. So in the Bible, a uh, lot is mentioned. Oh, man, I saw the statistic. Maybe it's 70 times in the Old Testament and seven times in the New Testament, something like that. Not an overwhelming amount, but it's not nothing. I mean, this actually happened. So lots were cast in the Bible to divide land. Lots actually determined where people or families or clans or tribes would live in relation to others. Uh, lots were cast to distribute goods. Uh, to determine what you got and how much of it. Lots were uh, cast to determine guilt or innocence. <laughs> Imagine that. You're accused of something and they don't know if you actually did it or not. You know, but they don't know until like, we're going to roll these dice <laughs> to see if you actually did it. Uh, by the way, you go to Jonah chapter one, Jonah uh, story where God asked Jonah to go to Nineveh to preach to some folks who were not following the ways of God. And Jonah's like, nope, they're my enemies. I'm running the other way to Tarshish. Jonah ends up on a boat on a ship. And here comes like the storm and the ship's going to go down. And so these sailors say to each other, come on, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. This is Jonah 1-7 where the, the sailors say this. And so they cast these, whatever it was, uh, these stones, these pieces of wood, these small dice, to determine that it was actually Jonah who was at fault for the storm <laughs> storm coming. And it worked. It was right. The, the, the lot proved true. Um, lots were cast to select kings, like rulers. Who's going to rule our land? I don't know. Let's roll dice to figure it out. Lots were cast uh, for choosing the sacrificial goat on the Day of Atonement. Lots were cast uh, to, to select an axe, the book of Acts. They needed a new uh, apostle because Judas towards the end of the gospels is gone. And so they cast lots to determine who this new apostle is going to be. And so they do two things here. They pray to God. They say, show us which of these, they have two men who, who it's come down to show us which of these you have chosen. So there's prayer. Like that seems a good idea, like a good idea. We're all for that. And the next thing they do is <laughs> they roll the dice. Who is it? And, the dice determined who actually the the new 12th apostle was. Uh, lots were actually determined 
to divide Jesus' clothing, if you remember in the Gospels when Jesus is getting crucified. Uh, that That's some of the soldiers. They cast lots to determine who gets Jesus' clothing. Now, here's the point. Decisions that actually had a big effect on people's lives are being made in the Bible by throwing down some stones, by shaking some small pieces of wood, by rolling the dice. On the surface of it, it is seemingly a crapshoot to determine the way things are going to go. And here's why I thought about this over the last couple of weeks. This all, these last several weeks, it all kind of feels like a crapshoot, doesn't it? It all kind of feels like the casting of lots. Like, who who gets infected? Who gets COVID uh, as opposed to who doesn't? That kind of right now feels like a casting of lots. Like, there are some people through all of this who will do every, they will take every precaution. They won't even go to the grocery store. They're going to have people bring their food to them. Some of those people are going to end up getting infected with this virus, right? There are other people who won't change their lifestyle at all. They're just going to keep doing what they've been doing and they won't get infected by this at all. It feels like casting of lots, right? Who determines who's going to get this and who's not? Uh, When it comes to when we'll be able to hug one another again, right? This is one of the frustrating things about all this is it seems like like the goalposts keep moving. Like, like how long is this social distancing going to have to last? How long will I not be able to go to work? Uh, the timelines keep changing. You talk to a doctor, which my family has in the last week or so, and what they'll say to you is, you know, the rules change Every day, one said one nurse said rules are actually changing every hour here. This is all this is all new. We don't know. There's there's so much of this we don't know. We don't know when we'll be able to hug one another again. We don't know if what a lot of people have are actually the coronavirus, COVID, or if it's something else. Uh, it, it feels like the casting of lots with with how this will change the way we used to do things. Right? We don't know yet how this is gonna change on a grand scale, things like school, church, people's jobs, whatever it is. A bunch of this feels like casting of, it kind of feels like a crapshoot, like, like we're all in this big game of roulette (laughs) and we are at the mercy of it, which we kind of are. There's, 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 there's a way in that where that's true. There's a sense in which we are at the mercy of this virus. And one of the things we've all realized in the midst of this, at least the vast majority of us, is that we're not in control. <laughs> I did a teaching a couple months ago, and one of my points was at some point, you're going to realize you're not in control. Um, we didn't know this was going to happen all at once, where we all realized that <laughs> we weren't in control. But that oftentimes will lead us to believe that since we're not in control, no one is in control. It's all, there's, there's, I went to a church with a guy years and years and years ago who had what he called the crapshoot theory. Um, it was all, he, he had no belief in, in God, higher power, whatever. And it was just, this is all crapshoot. What happens? Uh, who ends up doing what? It's, it's, it's the crapshoot theory. 
But here's the thing about the lot. There's a proverb, Proverbs 16, 33. And it says this, the, the writer says this, the lot is cast into the lap. So the stones are thrown down, the pieces of wood are shaken, the dice are rolled. The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. What this proverb is saying is that God is working (laughs) in the lot. Casting lots was actually one of the few legitimate means of, of God's revelation, of revealing what God wanted. Dreams was another one, but a lot was... The lot was one of them. Uh, casting lots, it it had a divine sanction. It had a divine control to it. It was actually a revelation from God. So something that seemed to have no rhyme or reason was under the control of the God of the universe. Now, here's what I'm not saying. Here's where the analogy breaks down a bit. Here's what I'm not saying about, about what's going on in the world right now. Um, I am not saying that God wanted this. I am not saying that God chooses who gets infected with COVID-19 and who doesn't. I am not saying God chooses who, who survives this when they get sick and who, who doesn't. I'm not saying that at all. I'm, I think God hates this. I think God grieves this. I think God grieves with us. I think uh, this is part of a fallen world that we're experiencing right now. I don't think God created this virus. Here's what I am saying. When it seems like no one else is in control, because no one else is is in control, because we're certainly not. God is. That's what I am saying. Don't mistake your inability to control for the belief that no one is in control. It's not a crapshoot theory. It's not a crapshoot out there. God is with you. God is fighting for you. God loves you. The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. The God, the God who put the stars in place, the God who knows how many hairs are on your head, which for some of us it takes longer to count than others, and the God who knows your original hair color, he knows your fears your uncertainty, your doubt in all of this, and he's offering to hold you through it all. Earlier today, I talked to a a hospice patient of mine, 94 years old, and she was telling me how she, I was on the phone with her. I I can't go visit her. She was telling me how she doesn't like this virus and it makes her a little nervous because um, she knows if she gets it, the likelihood of surviving it isn't fantastic. And, but she said this, she said, the Lord, she said this, the good Lord is with me, right? There's, there's something to when life is going fantastic and we have everything we need. And like I, and in, in my, I'm 39 years old and I just, yeah, my, look at my family. We're all great. We're all healthy. The Lord's with me. It's, it's something else for a 94 year old who's been through, uh, a, a hospice. <laughs> it's been determined she needs to go on hospice. She's lost a husband. She, she's been through things like the depression and she's facing a virus that she probably won't survive if she catches. And when she's able to say, the good Lord is with me, that's something. And then she said, we all have to work together and pray together. 
Oh, I love that woman. The good Lord is with me. We all have to work together and pray together. So for you, when when you're washing your clothes for the third time in a row because you're not sure whatever got on your clothes outside is off yet, uh, know that the good Lord is with you and he's in control. When, when you're washing your hands just after you washed your hands and they're starting to get real dry and they hurt, Know that the good Lord is with you and he's in control. When your newborn can't be held by his or her grandparents right now or anyone else other than than you for that matter, know that the good Lord is with you and he's in control. When you cough one time and you wonder what that means, your mind goes all sorts of different places. Remember that the good Lord is with you and he's in control. When, when you're wiping down every piece of food that you got at the grocery store, every single apple, every single banana and avocado, and you're like, what do I do with all these grapes? Know that the good Lord is with you and he's in control. When your child is crying because they can't play with their friend for now like the third week in a row, know that the good Lord is with you and he's in control. When, when you canceled, when you have to cancel your vacation coming up, know that the good Lord is with you and he's in control. When you see a headline you didn't want to see, know that the good Lord is with you and he's in control. It's not a crapshoot out there. God, God can even use the lot. Now, here's the question. What do we do? God's in control. He can use a lot. What do we do? Uh, three things here. Number one, give up the illusion of control. Give up the illusion of control. And this one's more difficult because this isn't like something you can like tangibly do. It's like, well, great. How do I do that? Um, I don't know if I have all the answers to it, but I have a story. Corey and I, when uh, we were dating, even, <laughs> even sometimes now, when we have a decision to make and she honestly just doesn't care, um, she'll say, let's flip a coin. And she's been doing this ever since I've known her. And me, I like to be in control. And so I always say, no, that's, that is a lame way to make a decision. Part of control is actually deciding what we want to do. Um, and so for me, not having control is, is difficult. And at the beginning of all of this stuff, I would spend a bunch of time, uh, Worrying might be the right word, um, and maybe more time worrying than I was actually living because I wanted to figure out a way to to to, to control this, and I couldn't. <laughs> then, uh, some sort of sickness came into our house, and we don't know what it is. Um, my wife started to get uh, a headache and body aches and and sore throat, and no fever ever. Thank goodness. And this was last, let's see, I'm looking at the calendar here on my wall. Um, it's been a week or more now, excuse me, a week or more now, um, which turned into a, a cough and a couple of moments of not being able to breathe as deep as she normally can, but nothing all mild. Um, don't know what it is. And then my daughter one one night last week got a fever of a hundred and three point one. I think it was. The f- no, that's not right. I'm hundred one point three. I think I'm I'm <laughs> I'm confusing numbers here. I take that back. I think it was a hundred one point three. Gave her Tylenol. Went to bed. She well actually she came down that night. Threw up. Um, 
had a sore throat the next day. We ended, which, and we thought she was getting better. Uh, had a, a teledoc conversation on the computer last Friday, I think, or maybe Saturday. And then today, by the way, is uh, Tuesday. Um, thought she was getting better, threw up again, earache, took her to the doctor yesterday, strep test, negative, gave her antibiotics and, and sent the test for cultures. Don't know what it is. Uh, my son woke up feeling a bit off and, and with a little cough. So something like something's happening. We don't know what it is, but in a weird, we're all okay, by the way, in a weird sort of way, it took that to get me to relax. And I don't know if I can totally explain it. There's a, there's a, another teaching here in, in about uncertainty, I think. But once we actually, at once some sort of sickness, uh, presumed some sort of virus entered our house, it actually took some of my worry and anxiety away because at least then we knew kind of what we were dealing with. Whether it was what we don't want it to be or whether it's something else, uh, we don't know. But it, was, it actually took that to get me to sleep a lot better because I actually realized, oh, I can't control this. <laughs> I can't control what's going to happen. We've taken every precaution we could. My kids haven't, and the wife haven't really left the house and coming up on three weeks and they still got sick. How does that happen? I don't know. Give up, we'll do whatever you can to give up the illusion of control. Do other things that you know you can't control. Uh, whatever that means for you. There's someone in control of all this and it's not us. Okay, number two, we can move on. Uh, number two, do something that reminds yourself that God is in control. Spend a few minutes outside in the sun. Go look at the mountains if you have that ability or a body of water or, or grass starting to grow in your front yard or things starting to bud. Do something that reminds you that God is in control. Think, think about someone, how someone helped you. Think about how someone helped provide what you needed this week. Who's helped you move forward when you couldn't do it on your own? Write a letter or send a card in the mail to someone who you're grateful for. Uh, something that reminds yourself that God is in control. Read, here's another one. Read the, the book of Philippians. Philippians, a New Testament letter that Paul writes to this church in Philippi. And it's one of Paul's themes in this letter. Uh, and it's a short book in the Bible, by the way. So you can do it in one sitting. One of Paul's themes is that joy can be found in any situation. How many of us need that reminder right now? And in Philippians, uh, one of the more well-known passages in the book, Philippians 4, verses 6 to 7, Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, by the way, that, that kind of reminds me of the lot, which transcends all understanding, because the lot, remember, went beyond human comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How can you do something that reminds yourself God is in control, which brings us back to the first thing, you are not in control. 
Number one, give up the illusion of control. Number two, because you'll sleep better. Number two, do something that reminds yourself God is in control. And number three, make order out of chaos. Somehow, make order out of chaos. This is, this is what God does. This is the creation story. Uh, God takes chaos and he makes order out of it. Remind yourself that this is a chaotic time right now and God will get us to the other side. Some sort of order is going to come out of this. So whatever that is for you, organize your messy sock drawer. If that's the order you need to create out of chaos to remind yourself that God's going to get us to the other side. Clean your closet or your garage. This actually reminded me or, or gave me the idea. I need to clean my office, which I haven't done in a while. I might do that to make some order out of chaos. Uh, mow your lawn, even if it doesn't need it. <laughs> even if it just takes a, a just a, like a clip off the top. Do something that's in line with creation. Uh, plant a garden. Or start to plant a garden. Rake. If, do you, if you still have, <laughs> we still had leaves this week because we had a snowstorm in November. It was before Thanksgiving, and we still had leaves on the ground, and uh, the snow was there forever. And so, if we just finally got around to to, to, to raking, by we I mean my wife because she's fantastic. Uh, take a bunch of random ingredients in your kitchen and make a meal out of it. Do that to to create order out of chaos. Uh, reconcile a relationship. Call someone who you've had an issue with and apologize. Ask for forgiveness. Ed. See how they're doing. Tell them why you're mad at them, whatever it is. Balance your checkbook if you have one. Maybe that's in chaos. You can you can create some order out of that. Get dressed up just to stay home. Maybe you need to do that. Eat off your 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 fine china, your good plates. Use your good silverware. Make order out of something to remind yourself that God has the last word in all this. They said, Boyle, you've won the plant. And I walked up confidently like I just won the World Series and I raised the plant over my head. I didn't deserve it. I, I didn't not deserve it, but it happened. And then the next question was, what in the world are we going to do with this thing? <laughs> I remind you, it was heavy. And there was like octopus vines coming out all over. So it wasn't coming in our house. And so I had to carry it home the two blocks to my house, which was difficult because it was quite heavy. My kids were laughing at me. And we just put it on our stoop, our front porch for the rest of the summer and watered it and took care of it and watched the vines continue <laughs> to spread out. The question becomes, what in the world are we going to do with this? In a time when it seems like no one is in control, May we believe it's not a total crapshoot, that God uses even the lot. The good Lord is with you, says my 94-year-old friend, and he's in control. And we all have to work together and pray together. Grace and peace. We'll talk to you next time.